last week, I ended with a quote from a Ken Metema song that speaks of the church being a place where people can come to find love and safety and shelter, a place where we are encouraged to stretch our wings, or as he ends his song, a place where people can go to fly. Following up on that imagery of flight, I thought I'd start this morning with a story from Dennis Waitley's book, Empires of the Mind, when he writes, When it comes time to lay her eggs, the female eagle locates a perch high on a mountain, selects suitable materials, and assiduously prepares the nest. She works carefully and very hard, following mental blueprints of great functional quality, And after the eaglets are born, she spends virtually all of her time responding to their needs. She hunts for fish and small game to ensure that they are properly nourished, which is an eaglet's sole task, apart from sleeping and crying for more food. Instinct tells the eagle that the day will soon come when her offspring must make their own way. Somehow, she knows that feeding her eaglets will be followed by a second, absolutely critical task of teaching them to fly. When she senses the eaglets are ready, she puts them on alert by stirring up the nest. One morning, she returns from an outing without food. Moving to the edge of the nest, she uses her sharp beak to begin to rip out big chunks and then drops them from the cliff. And as the chunks fall hundreds or thousands of feet to the canyon floor, the eaglets watch and look at each other in astonishment. I told you mom had a strange look in her eye today, the most talkative observes. The eagle continues for several hours, ripping apart the sturdy nest she built with such care and skill. What had once given the eaglets total security is now a most uncomfortable resting place. For with each chunk torn off, it becomes more and more uncomfortable, yet it also brings them nearer and nearer to maturity and what they were created for, to soar among the clouds. No matter how safe and comfortable the nest is, there comes a time when a bird has to try its wings for itself. They won't learn to fly unless they're challenged to leave the comfort of the nest. Waitley then goes on to say, we can become like those eaglets, because as much as we may like it, our comfort can become our enemy and a detriment to our growth. We can begin to use comfort as an excuse to keep things the way they are, to refuse to face new challenges that are so necessary for our growth. And whether it's learning a new hobby or volunteering for ministry or taking a class, if we're going to fly Sometimes the nest has to be stirred up. Muscles need to be worked if they're going to be developed. Without it, they atrophy and die. Faith needs to be exercised if it's going to grow. Without the challenge, it's like clipping a bird's wings, and we never really learn what's possible. And what's true of the physical realm is just as true of the spiritual No matter what our age, whether in adolescence or retirement, we all need to continue to learn and grow and be stretched and challenged. That's what God desires of us. Because without challenge, growth ceases. The Bible is clear. We are meant 
to spend a lifetime growing to become more like Jesus. In 1 Peter 2, Peter writes, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. In Ephesians 4, Paul writes, We are to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, so we'll no longer be infants who are tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, which is Christ. Becoming more like our Savior is God's desire for us. But it doesn't just happen. Simply doing the same things in the same way over and over and over again. We have to grow. And for growth to happen, we must face new challenges in our lives from time to time. Like the mother eagle, sometimes the Lord has to tear away those things that have become dependent on in our lives. Things that we find so safe and secure, we rely on them instead of Him. And with each new challenge, our faith gets stretched and we're transformed a little bit more into his image. We learn faith, not by talking about it, but by practicing it. By actually trusting God rather than in ourselves and our own abilities. Like our muscles, faith grows by exercising it. God's main concern is, after all, our growth and not our comfort. Which is why, referring to his own faith in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul uses an imagery of an athlete who goes into strict training in order to compete and win. They don't get there, he says, by sitting around doing just what comes easy for them or what he calls running aimlessly or fighting the wind. Instead, he says, they challenge themselves. They go into strict discipline. Literally, he says, he beats his body to make it his slaves, to get it to do what it needs to do. To learn to fly on the wings of faith, we have to step out sometimes into the unknown and leave the safety and security of things we can find so easy, which we can do with our eyes closed, which involve no, little, no risk, no challenge. What are we doing in our lives that require faith? It's an important question. It's a primary point of the passage I'm about to read that's found in Mark chapter 6 this morning. Jesus knew those he had called. He knew up to this point they had been largely dependent upon him, but now they needed to learn to stand on their own, not rely on his faith, but to grow their own. It was made all the more necessary because it was only going to be a short time until he would no longer be there with them physically and they were going to need to continue the work he began. One writer says, a life of total dedication to the truth, and Jesus is the truth, means a life of willingness to be personally challenged. We need the challenge to be confronted with our own presuppositions to question our biases and our prejudices, to point out our weaknesses and our need for Christ, to learn what's possible when God is on our side rather than relying on our own strength and our own abilities to do what we know we can already do. Simply reading and listening and watching people we know are going to tell us we will agree with doesn't challenge us. Sometimes we need to be sharpened 
by those who may see things from a little different angle. Just prior to the passage in Mark 6, Jesus had visited his hometown to people he knew that he had grown up with, but they weren't prepared for the challenge that he was preventing them with. They were so comfortable with the way things were. They didn't want any change. They didn't want someone like him coming back and stirring things up. They had become settled and satisfied with the status quo. And as a result, Mark 6, 6 says, Jesus couldn't do very much there. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Amazed because they weren't willing to be stretched. Passage goes on to say, Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. And they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. As Jesus calls his disciple to him, he does three important things here to get them to spread their wings, to make growth possible. It was like that mother eagle tearing off chunks of the nest that they found so safe and secure. The first thing it does, it's, he does, it says, is he makes them responsible for the work. They had enjoyed the security of his presence. They had followed him around without having to be responsible themselves Because after all, it was Jesus' ministry. Now he tears that away from him and says, now it's yours. There comes a time when the eaglets can no longer depend on their mother to do everything for them. They have to be responsible themselves. No longer now would the disciples be able to be in the background while Jesus did his thing. He was making it their ministry. It says he gave them authority. Authority means responsibility. In the New Testament, the word carries with it both a sense of freedom to act, but also the power to accomplish, to fulfill the purpose. Up till now, the disciples had watched Jesus exercise his authority over and over again. That's what his whole ministry was, an extension of his authority. So in Mark 1, when he taught, the people were amazed because he taught as one in authority, not as the teachers of the law. And when he drove out demons, it says, the people were amazed and they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching? And with authority. When he healed and forgave the paralytic in Mark 2, it was once again within the context of Jesus' authority. And it says the people were filled with awe and praised God for giving such authority to men. When he healed with just a word, the servant of a Roman centurion in Matthew 8, the entire discussion was in the context of authority. When he spoke of his death and resurrection in John 10, Jesus says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord, for I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. And when he stood trial before the Sanhedrin, their question was, where did you get this authority from? The disciples seen, saw, and heard all of this, but they were in the shadow. How comfortable it would have been to stay in the shadows. 
that their growth would have been stunted. So Jesus steps out of the way and says, now I give it to you. It's your job. On four different occasions in the Gospels, it states that Jesus gave authority to his followers to continue to do the work he began. And ultimately, with the words in Matthew 28, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, you go. You're responsible. We are responsible to continue the work Jesus began. Without the authority, these disciples were merely a collection of uneducated men. Why should anyone listen to them? But with it, they became his representatives. They became what Paul says in Corinthians, his ambassadors, his agents who speak and act not on their own, but with the authority of the one who sent him. And he says, we are his ambassadors. When we commit our lives to Christ, we take on his name, but we also take on his work. We become responsible for the gospel. And seeing that it is communicated with the world around us. Because how is your neighbor going to hear if you don't tell him? Who's going to tell him if we don't? In Christ, we have been given this freedom and power to act in his name. And with that freedom comes responsibility. And as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, those given a trust must prove faithful. Yet we can be tempted sometimes to look at the work before us, to see the needs and begin to make excuses why we shouldn't do it. We say, well, I can't do that. It's too hard. It's too much to ask. I don't know how to do it. What if I fail? But it's not about us. Faith is about the one who calls us. Yet we say, I'm not comfortable talking about Christ to other people. And so we don't. Philippians 6 says, Paul Or Paul wrote, I pray that you may be active at sharing your faith so that you may have full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Without the sharing of your faith, you fail to understand what God has given you. And you fail to grow. Or I don't like to read, so I don't. And so I fail to be stretched by new ideas and grow from what others have said and learned. We memorize phone numbers and addresses and names and recipes and all sorts of things in our lives. But then, I can't memorize scripture. It's too hard. By failing to hide God's word in our hearts, we lay open and vulnerable to sin. We say, I'm not gifted in caring for the needy or in teaching or serving. So instead, we keep doing the same things in the same way with the same results and no growth. And ultimately, what we do is we make excuses why we're not growing. In 1 Timothy 4, Paul said we are to train ourselves for godliness. If you had asked the disciples, they would have said, they couldn't do it. They're just fishermen. The way they learned was that they went, and they did what God gave them to do. They learned by trial and error. Moses tried to make excuses, tell God, I can't do it, God. And God says, who created you? You are Christ's ambassador, his child, given his authority. And he tears off that chunk of excuses which says, it's not my responsibility. 
We don't worry about what we can and can't do, what we're comfortable with, what we like and don't like. These are self-imposed barriers we allow to get in the way of doing what God is calling us to do. Because after all, Paul said, I can do all things in Christ. We learn faith by faith. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, that which we persist in doing becomes easier to do, not that the nature of the thing itself has changed, but our ability has to do it has. We learn by doing. So what seems scary to us at first, gradually we gain a grasp of. If he's gifted us for some task, we have his authority to accomplish it. Not to limit God, because the tomb couldn't even do that. You don't know what's possible, what faith is capable of, until you act on it. And when Jesus sent his disciples out, he gave them the freedom to minister in his name, to act on his behalf. It was not merely by word, but by deed, because he gave them his authority. All authority in heaven is given to me, he says, and now you go. The disciples had enjoyed the security of Jesus' presence. He was the one everyone came to hear and to see. Now he gets out of the way and sends them out two by two, it says. Two by two to serve and to care for people and to share his word. Without that, all he had been teaching and showing them would have been merely ideas and words in their head. Now they could no longer sit there in his shadow watching him do the ministry because he gave them the authority and then he got out of the way and said, now you go. It doesn't matter what you know up here if you don't know what to do with it. So much of what we learn is useless because it never makes it from our heads to our hands. It's when we are challenged to apply it and put it into practice that growth occurs in our lives. James said, faith without works is dead. So church, without a, church attendance without ministry is dead. Bible study without service is dead. Confession of faith without involvement is dead. You have to have an outlet, some way to live out your faith and use your gifts that God has given. Like Luke, Jesus said in Luke 8, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken from him. It's a warning. If you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Your faith shrivels rather than thrives. The way that Jesus dealt with his disciples was to get them out of the stands as spectators and into the game itself. Like the mother eagle tearing another chunk of dependence that made them comfortable. Now they were faced with a challenge and had to begin to deal with people. And as with the twelve, Jesus sends us out also. He challenges us to look beyond ourselves, to see the needs around us, to see how God may have equipped us to serve. We may not be sure, we may be nervous, we may be uncomfortable or afraid, but the only way we'll ever see what's possible is by acting and trying. We are challenged to grow, each one of us. As he dealt with these areas of authority and service, he instructed them with the task on hand. 
They had been used to him providing for their every need. If they were hungry or tired or persecuted, there he was to sustain them by his faith. He gives them authority. He steps out of the way and sends them out. And then he gives them instructions of what they were to expect. What faith requires to grow. Take nothing with you. Put your hope not in your stuff, but in the one who sends you. To rely on the one who they called Lord. It wouldn't take much faith to go out with plenty of resources to carry out the work. To know everything was already provided for them. They had to trust now. Our children cannot rely on our faith as parents for the rest of their lives. They have to claim it for themselves at some point. We can sing... Have faith in God. Great is thy faithfulness. Songs like this. But if in our lives we don't show what faith looks like, do the songs really mean much? Especially if we're always running back doing the same things that we've always done, never willing to be challenged by taking a step, trying something new or more or different. We can become like the woman whose car stalled at an intersection. Her hood was up, and she flagged down the first driver that came by, and it happened to be a pastor named Wayne Roos. She told him, I can't get the car started. But if you go under there while I try to start it, and you jiggle the wire on the battery, I think it'll start. So he grabbed the positive battery cable, and it came off in his hand. It needs to be tightened, he said. I can fix it if you have a wrench. Well, my husband says, always just jiggle the wires. It always works, so just jiggle the wires for me. And this pastor stood there for a moment and wondering why her husband wasn't riding around town with her all the time so he would be there to jiggle her wires. Finally, he said, ma'am, if I jiggle the wire, you're going to need someone to do it every time you shut the engine off. But if you give me two minutes and a wrench, you can solve the problem and you can forget about it. How often can we be like that woman? Rather than addressing the issue, we give the wires a jiggle. Rely on someone else to do it because we're stuck. Content to stay in someone else's shadows where we know it's safe and comfortable when we can count on someone else to step out for us rather than to fix the problem of standing on the faith that God gives us. We learn to tell people about Jesus through the challenge that comes from telling them. We learn to teach through the challenge that comes from teaching. We learn to serve through the challenge that comes from serving. The only way we will learn and grow is by acting on the faith, not looking to our own abilities. Every time you do something for the first time, you're probably not going to be comfortable with it. That's true for all of us. But if you're willing to be challenged, you're more likely to reach out a hand to the one who says, I will be with you and take you one step further. Jesus calls his disciples to him. He gives them authority. He gets out of the way and sends them out. And then he prepares them to live a lifestyle of faith. You never know what's possible till you step out. An eagle never learns to fly unless it's made a little uncomfortable and challenged. 
Is it time for us to spread our wings in some new area of our lives so our faith can grow? This summer, some of us will have an opportunity to spread our wings as we prepare to send a team to Taiwan to help a church there with their children's ministry. It's an opportunity to exercise faith. Or perhaps instead of sleeping in on Sunday mornings, it's time to challenge yourself by getting up and being involved in a Bible study. Or instead of sitting in the same Bible study each week, it's time perhaps to consider starting one with your family or your neighbors or your friends. Is it time to begin stretching your wings in some new area? God wants you to grow. What will it take for that to happen? Father, as we are all to be challenged day by day through acting on the things that you show us, the faith that you place within us, you seek to grow that within our lives, God. Help us to learn what it means that the just shall live by their faith. Not just talk about it, or read about it, or listen to it, but actually live by it. Help us to be a people who live by faith, who learn to spread our wings to fly, because we're willing to be challenged at times by even new things, in new ways, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless me not, O gentle Savior.